The Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student-athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Live, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Today with me, we have a 30-year Sacramento King uh, veteran from head coach to pl- director of player personnel to now he does TV for the team. Uh, and also the second most popular person to come out of French Lick, Indiana, Coach Jerry Reynolds. Coach Reynolds, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to help us keep the nostalgia alive. Well, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, being born and raised a Hoosier, uh, the Hoosier State still uh, means an awful lot to me. So, Coach, uh, French Lick, so I, I take it, did you just play basketball? Did you like baseball? What? Who Who was your, who, interested, who um, introduced you to athletics and um, was basketball your favorite sport? That's a great question. Actually, I think my my father got me started playing baseball, and uh, at an early age, and, and uh, uh, so I started playing baseball probably seven or eight years old, and and really probably was my first love. Although being in Indiana, it can't last that way. And uh, I think probably the one thing I'm maybe most proud of, as far as my Springs Valley High School days, that I was told I still have the the record for. 12 varsity letters, uh, which still stands today after 50-some years. So I'm pretty pleased. I played I was a varsity baseball player for four years and then basketball for three and track three and I think cross country two. So uh, so I was uh, an all-around uh, athlete, or at least I thought I was. What was Indiana High School basketball like when you first really got involved in the game, and, and who did you look up to or kind of emulate uh, in the state of Indiana? Well, my, my uh, kind of first heroes uh, was a guy named Marvin Pruitt. Marvin was an 
you know, later on was Indiana All-Star, but he was a, a senior when I was a freshman, and he, as a junior, had led the uh, Springs Valley Blackhawks unbeaten to the uh, Final Four. That's back when there's an open class uh, system, and uh, Springs Valley was a small school, much like Milan, except at Fort Wayne Southside with uh, Tom Balliard and Mike McCoy, some seven-footer, uh, was beat, beat Springs Valley in the afternoon uh, game at Hinkle uh, Fieldhouse. So, so, so Marvin, the marvelous Marvin, as he was called, and uh, was my hero later on, good, very good player uh, at Evansville. Uh, so he's my earliest one, and then of course idolized uh, Oscar Robertson, like everyone did. Oscar and and Jerry West were were the two guys I followed the most as a as a kid, and then of course obviously uh, uh, getting to know them personally uh, and oh, for the last 25, 30 years has been one of the real real thrills for me. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead. I normally ask this question later on, but how, how do you feel about the state of basketball and high school basketball in Indiana today? Well, I, I, I obviously not uh, as followed as closely as I once did, you know, I mean, uh, but I, I'm, I'm disappointed. You know, I, I always felt the the thing that was so special was, was not having all the classes and uh, having coached and worked in different states that had the classes you know, I just knew it would not be beneficial, you know, and I, I, I think that I always say that uh, growing up in where you had the sectionals and regionals and some states and, and when a small school could could beat an area bigger school, that meant more than being a state champion of a 1A or something. You know, I, I always say, you know, the, the Don Boozies of the world of Holland, Indiana, you know, with 100 in high school, but when you're really good, if it's open class, you get to play against the top competition. And, uh, you know, you, but once you're in a, but once they went to the class thing, uh, you know, the little schools are stuck against the little schools. It's hard to tell just uh, how good guys are or how good they could be. So it's lost a lot. I don't think there's any, I, I think very few people would, would uh, doubt that. You think it'll ever go back to the way it used to be? No, I think once educators get involved, they're they're uh, dedicated to keep the thing screwed up. So once you got to Springs Valley, what what kind of basketball game did you have? How tall were you once you got to Springs Springs Valley as a freshman? Well, I, as a basically, I was about five eight and a half. I always lied and said I was five nine, <laughs> but uh, you know, I started as a I was a starter on the varsity as a sophomore, and. Uh, I think I averaged about 16 points a game for my career for the three years. Uh, I did miss part of my junior year and a couple of games in my senior year due to mononucleosis. I had a really bad, really got it bad, and I was still weak early into my senior. So that, you know, it set me back a little bit. But uh, then I played at, uh, I've been since junior college for a couple of years, although my second year there, I was in a car wreck and hurt pretty bad. I had the driver was killed and another. And man, the front seat was uh, end up uh, committing suicide due to paralyzed, and and, uh, and me and another friend were in the back and hurt pretty bad. So that that kind of set back the uh, athletic career at that point. What was Springs Valley? What was the what was the atmosphere like at a Springs Valley game? Was well, uh, really tremendous because there was a carryover obviously from the great teams of uh, Marvin Pro, as I just mentioned. And in my senior year, we went into the uh, the gymnasium that, that's still there. That uh, My senior year was 
seats about 3,200 or something like that, and, and for the most part, it was pretty full. We, we had a pretty good team. Should have been probably better uh, due to some injuries and different things, but, uh, and of course, that was the same gym that later on, obviously, Larry Bird and Eddie Bird, they played in, still there, very well taken care of, and, and it's, you know, it was a religion. Uh, you know, Friday night, you went to the high school basketball games, and those days, uh, Springs Valley didn't really have football, didn't have any uh, girl sports, which obviously was a shame, and I'm, I'm glad that that part's changed in high schools. But uh, so it was the the only show in town, so to speak. What kind of success did uh, the Springs Valley's teams that you were a part of have in the uh, IHSAA tournament? We never won the sectional. You know that that was the biggest disappointment. Uh, later on, I know my younger brother Jeff uh, was two years younger, and he took a team to the uh, Sweet Sixteen. And which he reminds me of on a weekly basis when we still communicate. And I always, and I always tell him, I said, "Yeah, you, you took your team to the Sweet 16, but I was still a lot better than you were." So that's the end of that discussion. <laughs> but uh, but you know, I mean, it uh, you know, it, it, it's those things I think that that made it such a special deal that uh, you know, occasionally teams would find lightning in a bottle, and, and you know. Uh, the Odins, uh, I remember in 59 and the small school went to the final eight and and uh, uh, my brother's team had, had only won six games all year long but went, but just uh, all of a sudden uh, you know, got good <laughs> you know, and uh, which I, and made the sweet 16 so those things, uh, I mean those things were just so special and, and uh, I think with high school basketball uh, their memories that uh, you can never, you know, never replace. I always remember one time I was coaching uh, with the Kings and we'd beaten the Dallas Mavericks one of the earlier games I coached in my first interim stint. And one of the writers had talked to the Mavericks were very good, and we weren't, of course, but uh, he'd said, boy, that must be the most exciting basketball moment uh, you've ever experienced. Uh, and I said, well, not really. I said, the most exciting time I ever had was myself stole the ball against Vincennes High School and helped Valley win the regional at Huntingburg. And, of course, he looked at me like I was retarded. Uh, <laughs> but I said, and he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, if you were born and raised around French Lick, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Coach, when did you get on the radar for uh, colleges? Uh, was, was, was basketball your best sport, or were you better at, like, baseball or one of the other uh, sports that you lettered in? Yeah, it's great. I, I think I was probably a better baseball player, but there was just not a lot of uh, uh, the way baseball was in Indiana. You played, especially at Springs Valley, you played a few games in the spring, usually bad weather, and then uh, then they had fall baseball. So you really never spent much time with it. And uh, basketball after my sophomore year is what I spent the most time. So that was that was the sport that I wanted to focus on, and I was fortunate to get a chance to get a scholarship to, to Vincennes. I, there's a couple other small four-year schools that had, had contacted me, but I know my there was a, a coach and a teacher that very instrumental thought that that would be the best route for me and and that uh, you know it would work out. And it would have had I not you know gotten involved in the car wreck. But things happened, you know, and it, it worked out okay But for me. But it was... Uh, but the Vincennes experience was great because later on I went back to... Uh, Joined Coach Bradfield as an assistant coach, 
and I was there, and that was a great experience for me. And was luckily able to recruit great players like a Bob McAdoo and Butch Walker and, and guys that went on to be play professional basketball or Simpson. So you know that was a you know had its own uh, own real value. But of course, I can remember being assistant of Henson, and thus you know, the first time I had really met Joe Todrink, who was coach at Monroe City in a high school, which is in that immediate area. And then later he was followed by Sam Alford. <laughs> so a couple of uh, Southern Indiana legends right there. At Vincennes, did you have the opportunity after you uh, finished at Vincennes for two years to uh, have, you had two year, two more years of eligibility? Could you use them? Uh, I, well, I, I could have. I mean, I was not cleared to play basketball I, uh, for uh, like another half year, but fortunately... Uh, Coach Distler at Oakland City uh, University had offered me a my brother. He'd recruited my brother, and, and he offered me a scholarship too. Uh, just in fact, in case I would ever get get eligible, or I mean, be healthy. And so, so that was the good news. The bad news is he he resigned uh, in the middle of the year before I ever got healthy. And then uh, the new coach, you know, wanted to go different directions, and my brother transferred to East Texas State. And uh, I'd had some other places uh, that were interested in me when I was at Vincennes, but once I was in the accident, that kind of went away. I remember Eastern Illinois and 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 uh, Ball State were places I was pretty much focused on going until basically uh, the accident happened. So, at what point in life did you decide, hey, you know what? I I think I'd li- I like this coaching thing. Well, you know, I was a uh, a senior, actually, at Oakland City University, Willis Simpson, the, the uh, new coach, uh, you know, basically, he just said, you know, if you want to, I'll keep you, you know, on the scholarship if uh, if you'll just coach the freshman team. And I said, you know, why not? You know, I had nothing else to do, and I didn't really want to, he said, or, you know, if you'll stick around and, 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 and wait till you get healthy and stay in school another year and play. Uh, but I said, well, you know, I can graduate on time. So I didn't really want to do that. You know, I, I kind of had the hunch that I wasn't going to be playing professionally or anything. So I, so that was a great, great deal for me. And I coached the, uh, the freshman team at Oakland city, uh, you know, and that was a, I thought a good experience for me. And just, uh, even though I was young as I was and that, probably helped me a little bit with uh, Coach Bradfield getting the job at Vincennes University the next year, right out of college. So that's that's the direction you went right right after you graduated, which right to Vincennes. Uh, yes, uh-huh. Yeah, I never, uh, I was, I had uh, thought about some uh, assistant jobs at uh, a couple of small schools in Indiana, but, but once uh, Coach Bradfield offered me the job, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I just felt that uh, Career-wise, it'd be the best best route, and of course, I guess it's turned out that way. You know, I may be talking unprepared, but were you on the coaching staff when they went thirty-two and zero and won the uh, national championship? You know, no, I'd left the year before. Actually, I'd recruited every one of those guys, <laughs> so so we'd won the championship in seventy, and I left after the seventy-one season uh, to go to West Georgia University with uh, Roger Kaiser, and uh, we won a championship down there in seventy-four. A small college championship, but all those players, uh, Foots Walker and Denny Scheidler and 
and Billy Butler and Tony Byers. Uh, I, I had recruited those guys, uh, and so I felt pretty much part of it. And then actually, I took uh, Fitz Walker and Dave Edmonds on that team. I came to West Georgia with me uh, after that year, and then, like I say, later on, we won the uh, 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 college division championship at West Georgia University. How did that friendship or relationship evolve between uh, Roger Kaiser? That's a great question. I, I know we'd uh, he'd call me a few times about you know recruits. You know he knew we had great players at Vincennes, and he was trying to build a program at West Georgia. And and of course I knew who he was, and so we we would uh, you know visit on the phone, and we met a couple times uh, when he would get in the area. I think about the year before. And, and then he started talking about, you know, if there'd be an interest in me coming down there with him. Uh, and I said, you know, I said, it probably would be. Uh, you know, and I, I said, you know, I definitely feel like that I could uh, bring some quality players with us. And, and I did, you know, not just Footsie Walker, but but uh, uh, Tommy Turner, who's uh, played on the 70 championship team at Vincent University. and probably the best player to ever come out of Vincennes High School. Just to, uh, He later on was drafted by the Washington uh, Bullets at that time, and Dave Edmonds. Uh, I think we had four or five guys drafted by the NBA out of West Georgia, so I, and they were all kind of Vincennes guys. So I guess I, I guess I didn't hurt them much down there. Coach, what was what's the biggest misconception of junior college ball compared to, you know, going to a four-year school or going to a Division One school? Well, at that time, it's so different because a high percentage of the very best players in the nation were going to junior college. They had uh, little stricter entrance requirements. Today, if you're alive, you could get in a Division <laughs> one school uh, or, or reputed to be alive. And uh, But at that time, they really did have some entrance exams. And so, the, like I say, uh, the Bob McAdoo's, uh, Spencer Haywood's, uh, Artis Gilmore, Freddie Brown, those kind of guys were in junior college. And they would go to, and you know, and there wasn't a one and done thing, so you'd go to junior college for two years and then go on to a four year school. And uh, like I said, the, uh, the Juco, the, the, when I was at Vincennes, I mean, not only ranked high and won championships, but, but we always had three or four NBA level players uh, on the roster every year I was there. And so, you know, we were better and more talented than Evansville or Indiana State, uh, Butler, Ball State at that time. I mean, they just simply didn't have the level of talent that we had. And uh, now that's not the same now. It's very different now at the junior college level. They, you know, they occasionally there's 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 some top players that will come out of there, but but it, it's a lot lesser today because most of those kids. They used to go to JUCO. Uh, I mean, if, if they are having academic problems, they go to prep schools now, and uh, which has really drained a, a lot of the public schools, as you know, from from, from getting the most talent. There are all these these basketball uh, factories, these little prep schools around the country. Coach, what was your what, when you made the decision to go to West Georgia to uh, assist uh, Roger Kaiser? Was it a was it a hard decision to make? Did you did you feel like you didn't want to move away from the Indiana scene, or or in retrospect now, do you feel like it was the best decision for you? 
Yeah, I, I, it was a tough decision because, you know, you're leaving family and friends, and even though it's, you know, 450 miles, uh, but at that time, you know, when you're a Hoosier, you know, 50 miles is a, a big deal. <laughs> and uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a big deal uh, for me and my wife. and had a little, my son was just uh, two or three years old at that time. So, uh, but I, I felt sure it was the right thing. I really, uh, you know, thought the world of Roger and, and still do. Uh, and he had, you know, he had talked to, basically we talked about like if, you know, if I'd stay there a while, that uh, he really didn't, wasn't sure how much longer he wanted to coach. He was athletic director. And so, you know, I had, I had a lot more responsibilities with the team than I'd had at Vincennes. Uh, uh, and, and that more coaching, even though I did just about all the recruiting at Vincennes, I, I, you know, I didn't have as many, didn't need to have as many responsibilities coaching. And, and so that, it was good for me. I have, no regrets at all. It's really probably four of the most enjoyable years because we were able to totally turn around a, a, a program that it just had not been good into a, a national power, and, and that was a lot of fun. Now, when you're there for four years uh, with uh, Coach Kaiser, was it one of those things as a budding basketball coach? Were you still were you still getting offers from people? Were you still were you still looking? To, was there was there a certain place that you wanted to be, or was there a certain level that you wanted to be after you got out of West Georgia? After you left West Georgia? Yeah, that's kind of when when the, the NBA kind of uh, kind of got my attention because I've gotten to be pretty good friends over the years at. at Vincennes with, with a couple of guys, uh, Phil Johnson, who was or later on became a coach of the Kansas City Kings, and then Cotton Fitzsimmons, who was at Mobile in Missouri Junior College, who became later on went through the K State different things, and he was coached at Atlanta Hawks when I was at West Georgia, which is about 40 miles, uh, Carrollton, Georgia is about 40 miles west of Atlanta, so I, I would go over a good bit and, and uh, you know, stayed in touch with Cotton, and that's when they had. Pete Maravich and Lou Hudson and those guys, and uh, was instrumental in me because later on he became the coach of the Kansas City uh, Kings, and he's instrumental in me getting a Rockhurst University job because that's in those days they didn't have practice facilities, and that's where the Kings practiced. And he thought I could would be in a great position to help him because in those days they had one assistant coach full time. And, and during summer leagues and, and veteran camps, they, you know, they needed more help. And he said, you know, if you're, you'll take this job, it's probably, you know, it'd be a good opportunity for you to be a head coach and, and you know, maybe you can turn it around the program, which has been down for seven or eight years. And, and then also, you know, be involved with the NBA because all the visiting teams come in there and you can help me and, and that sort of thing. And then, uh, which, which is the way it, played out and and later actually Phil Johnson after came back himself uh, after Cotton left and we, we kind of did the same thing and and then Phil had always said if I if he could ever hire two two assistants uh, that he'd love to hire me and of course the time he, he got the opportunity the Kings were moving to Sacramento and he said you know I'd love to have you come as a second assistant and I said okay because I, I was there nine years at Rockhurst, and we awfully, and we never won the champ, national championship. But I think my third year, we were ranked in the top ten, and we had about five straight years in the top ten, and went to the national tournament two times. So everything was 
was really good there. And then, like I said, got the experience, uh, you know, getting to meet uh, Larry Browns and Jack Ramsey's and all those people would come in. And so it was a great experience for me. And I, and I, I, I would have been happy as a small college coach the rest of my life, really. But uh, the NBA thing did come along, and obviously it's been, been a real, real treat. You know, before the NBA, before you took the uh, path toward the NBA, was there other possibilities you had while you were at Rockhurst? Or tell us about your stint at Rockhurst. Well, yeah, uh, I, I did have some interviewed at a couple of Division One schools, St. Louis University and Creighton. Uh, didn't get the jobs. I always remember one athletic director told me, he said, well, I said, your record is tremendous, blah, blah, blah. He said, but you know, you don't have any Division One experience. And I said, no, that's exactly why I want the job. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get some. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's those kind of things that's always a catch-22, you know. Uh, you know, just like being as, as a lot of assistants. You know, you can be assistant for 10 years and say, well, yeah, you've done a great job, but you don't have any head coaching experience. Well, well of course you don't. <laughs> you can't you can't till you have it. And so... So there's a couple of those opportunities. As it turned out, I'm glad that it didn't go that way because uh, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go with Phil Johnson, you know, with the, with the Sacramento Kings, and obviously that, that that couldn't have worked out better in my mind. Uh, I've been very happy and obviously had every job possible over the years uh, in the franchise, but it's a great community, you know, market two million. Uh, metro area and, and uh, we've had some really good teams and really bad teams but uh, it, it's been a blast well tell, tell us about that transition into when he took you to Sacramento did you have to uplift the, you had to I guess uproot the family and uh, move to California yeah that was a you know a real adventure to be honest with you because uh, even though we went from you know basically uh, you know French Lake Indiana to Vincennes Indiana to Carroll Georgia to Kansas City, and of course, Kansas City was a huge adjustment because it was a city. I'd never lived in a city, <laughs> and so for any small town guy, knows that you know that that, that was traumatizing for a while. But uh, by the second, third year, I really enjoyed the city, and and then by like I say the Sacramento thing, I went went very smooth because uh, you know I think Phil was easy to work for primarily. It's just the the adjustment of the housing costs and things of that nature, and that's something. You know, when you go from the Midwest to California, that's that's a jaw dropper that you think you're prepared for, but you're not. And I, I know my my wife uh, is the one that pointed it out to me. I think we had a very nice home in Kansas City, and and basically I was making a little bit more money with the Kings, not a lot more. But uh, you know, all of a sudden we we had to get a house about half as big. And she said, "Now how is this a, a step up?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, it's a." It's not exactly now, but uh, but you know it, it 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 was just one of those little adjustments, and then like I say, it all took care of itself. We just like anything, you just try to do the best job you can in, in the job you have. Uh, opportunities kind of presented themselves. Did you have the opportunity while the, you, the Kings were still in Kansas City to coach uh, Mike Woodson? Uh, no, I didn't. I did coach him in Sacramento. Okay. Uh, you know, Mike and uh, Larry Drew, Reggie Theus, uh, Eddie Johnson, Sal Thompson. That was my, you know, my first team. Uh, Otis Thorpe, and then of course I actually coached uh, 
Now, Mike was traded after my first year as assistant. He and Larry Drew to the Clippers. But, uh, you know, Woody, just, uh, just a terrific guy. Uh, he, he's obviously an outstanding coach, too. But, uh, he's just top-of-the-line guy. So, uh, yeah, I always uh, appreciated uh, Woody and Eddie Johnson, those kind of guys, real veterans that, you know, kind of allowed a young assistant coach out of, out of small college to coach him. And, uh, you know, I didn't, uh, I don't think I helped him any, but I didn't hurt him much either. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I always tell people about Bob McAdoo. People say, well, geez, are, were you able to coach McAdoo? I said, well, I said, Mac and I had a great relationship, still do. I said, I, I certainly can't take credit for him being absolutely great, but he was. <laughs> but I, I said, you also can't blame me for hurting him any either. <laughs> you know, he, he, he turned out pretty good. You know, it's interesting that, you know, growing up in Indiana, I, I grew up in the Indianapolis area, went to Broderbill High School. That was my question for about Mike Woodson. Of course, he graduated from my high school. But, you know, uh, you, you followed the Pacers. And, you know, I, I remember collecting basketball cards. And I remember getting this basketball card and Sam Lacey from the uh, Kansas City Kings. I'm like, who are these Kansas City Kings? What are they all about? Yeah, they were, you know, Sam was really a good center, you know, kind of underrated center. And, of course, I know Cotton had a couple of really good teams there with uh, Phil Ford, Notice Birds on, and, and you know, uh, for a few years. And then, of course, uh, like most teams, they went downhill, and then he got fired. And I know, uh, so you know, it. Yeah, I remember those guys. Scotty Wedman uh, was a terrific player there, and and I'm like yourself. I, I I always followed the Pacers a lot, just being a Hoosier, especially the ABA days with you know Bobby Leonard, and you know with with uh, Billy Keller and, of course, Don Boozy. Who, see, Don Boozy, of course, I always said, is probably the second-best player to ever come out of Southern Indiana. Of course, we all know who number one is. That's Larry Bird. But, but I mean, Don, she was a was an all-star in the ABA with the Pacers, and he made the all-star team in the NBA with the Phoenix Suns. And he was my assistant coach for a half a year. And uh, I always really uh, appreciated that, just uh, getting to know Don. You know, we both enough uh, – country guys that uh, we really really had a good good time together and I mean I thought that he really should have stayed with it I think he would have been a very good NBA coach but he just didn't really like to travel and had enough of it Coach you're out in Sacramento and things are working toward you getting your first head coaching stint do you, you remember what was going on you remember how you felt when you got it or uh, what? Uh, tell us a little bit about that yeah well I was a uh, very disappointed that I got it to be truthful because I didn't think they should have fired Bill Johnson you know it's one of those things where you know that's uh, what they decided to do and uh, and, and made me the, the interim head coach and I, I just it was a mistake you know that and I remember telling the uh, GM at that time to ask them I said you know I said I, I can tell you that uh, I'm not totally I don't feel totally ready and I think that Coach Johnson's a better coach, but but you know that I needed a job too. I wasn't gonna, <laughs> you know. I talked to I talked to Phil about, it and he said, "Hey, you, you know, hey, you." He said, "You you didn't fire me." He said, "You need a job, so uh, you, and they'll and you'll get paid more money, which I would certainly appreciate it." So, you know, that was kind of that. And then, uh, of course, I didn't know at the time they'd already actually hired Bill Russell. Uh, but he didn't want to take the job in the middle of the year. And so that was 
so I was kind of the the guy. They said, "Well, we'll just have Jerry do it for half a year." And then, but uh, and I think they fully expected, you know, to to get rid of me at the end of the year. But the team actually did a, a good bit better, and the fans, I think, kind of liked me, so they felt obligated to keep me around. But uh, once Bill took over, and and so that was. Uh, interesting in of itself. I mean, here again, Bill was one of my heroes, and a strange man, a very eccentric. But I really enjoyed him. I liked him a lot, and I learned, you know, great some great uh, Bill Russell stories. And, and then the other assistant was a guy named Willis Reed. Oh wow! So, so uh, there's two Hall of Famers and me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I always, always used to kid Russ. He was such a wild driver. I said, you know, me and Willis would be in the car, and I said, man, don't have a car wreck because if we're all killed, it'll be two Hall of Famers and an unknown found. <laughs> I said, I, if I'm going to die in a car wreck, I want to be the most important person in it. <laughs> Coach, do you remember? Do you, do you remember the first game? When you took over the reins, were you nervous, or do you remember who it was against? Oh, Did you win? Yeah, oh, I sure do. I, okay. I took over. the The reason Phil had gotten fired is right before the All Star break, the, the team had gotten killed by the Lakers. You know, and that's the the Magic or the Jabbar team. You know, obviously Showtime, great great team, but we'd only scored four points in the first quarter, <laughs> and uh, and then basically closed the gap a little. But it was still a that was kind of the and so right after the All-Star game that was my first game we played the Lakers and uh, Kareem and we were on TNT I think at the time and uh, I remember Rick Barry was doing the uh, broadcast and he interviewed me for the game he, he just asked me how do you feel are you nervous and I said yeah I'm one scared little buckaroo to be honest with you <laughs> and uh, but uh, you know you, you do the best you can and we actually played them pretty well I think they beat us 12 points but I always remember our first time out that uh, we were down, I think it was it was twelve to six, you know, early in the first quarter, and it was time out. And I, and I told the guys, I said, "Well, we got more than four. <laughs> so, I, we're making strides." <laughs> so I mean, you, you know, the old thing, baby steps. I guess that you know it applies. <laughs> so, so was there a? Uh, so, how did that? Did the rest of that season finish out? Well, we end. I think. Uh, let's see. The team was fourteen and thirty-three when I took over, and then we were fifteen and twenty the rest of the way. So, so we obviously did quite a bit better. Uh, obviously, it just wasn't a real good team, but uh, but that was. I mean, that's kind of why the. I think the fans liked uh, how finished and the guys played hard, and you know, one one more and, and seemed to you know have a good chemistry. So, you know, I think they felt they needed to kind of keep me around and Bill didn't have any trouble with it you know and then like I say Bill and I over time uh, developed a very good relationship and later you know uh, I think it was a even really just less than one year Bill got fired again as coach things really went bad and they made me made me coach again I was head coach under Bill and Bill was the general manager and uh, I always say I probably owe Bill a lot because however it seemed like it, however much I screwed up, it seemed like he screwed up more. So they'd always move me up. I benefited, and because uh, later on they fired him as GM, and then they and then they moved me basically into that position. So you know, I had just about every position. I ran the uh, WNBA Monarchs uh, for a long time or for several years. We won the 
WNBA championship, in fact. I was involved in the Olympic, uh, Women's Olympic Committee, you know, that we won a gold medal. So that, that was a real kind of a five, six year stint that was very interesting, too. So, you know, that's about the time I started doing TV. I think I started in TV about 1998. But I was also director of player personnel with the Kings and, uh, and the WNBA general manager for the Monarchs at that time. Uh, so I had three jobs and was about to go nuts. <laughs> so, you know, and Kings were really good and the Monarchs were really good and TV was going good. So, you know, it was just a year-round uh, basketball fest. Is that all you do now is TV with the Kings? Strictly, yeah. Strictly. All I do is, you know, we have a Kings... Uh, a network which we do all 82 games and uh you know i do a i do a little uh usually during the season I, I've, I've done a kind of a, a radio show once a week and sometimes a, in the past a, a, like a one one day couple hours a tv it just nba kind of uh, talk so so it's really me just media stuff which has uh been fun you know, I mean, I'm I'm still employed by the Kings, but uh, you know, basically, it's just as a as a TV analyst, and then whatever uh, public relations functions, I, I'd speak to a lot of groups in the area, and you know, the Rotaries and the Qantas's and all that stuff, and enjoy that, meet the fans, and, and speak to fans before the game, and those the, all the all the public relations media functions. That's kind of kind of my role now, and I'm. Couldn't be happier, really. I, I kind of wish I'd have gotten out of the day-to-day stuff even sooner. This is, you know, just finished kind of two years of, of just strictly TV, and it's a, uh, you know, it's a little easier to take the losses. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell my wife, you know, after when, after a bad loss, you know, when I'm driving home, I, I usually pout for about 15 minutes and then I'm through with it, as opposed to when you're coaching or working for an office, it's a it's a full 24-hour pout. <laughs> Coach, what was um, did you enjoy coaching against your fellow Hoosiers? You know, like Del Harris and uh, John McLeod. Yeah, I sure did. Well, I enjoyed them personally. I can't say I enjoyed them necessarily. They they were better, probably better coaches, had more success. But such nice uh, uh, people, very helpful, and uh, uh, just really, really had a lot of respect for both those guys. I always remember uh, Del and, and and John and myself. They at the time there was only 24 teams in the NBA and we were three of the head coaches and Dell was born in like Orleans, Indiana and of course I was in French Lick which is about 10 miles apart and then John McLeod was from like Henryville, Indiana Southern Indiana thing and, and they had a I think it was a Sporting News or something like that had a little little feature and they had a picture of us all together and they said it's pretty, pretty remarkable you know the three NBA coaches from Three little burbs in Southern Indiana, which uh, yeah, I guess it would be. You know, we hadn't thought about it, but obviously those guys, uh, just uh, you know, terrific guys and uh, great coaches. I mean, I think you know both both should be in the Hall of Fame. And I had, like I said earlier, I've known Dell a long time, and just a uh, very underrated, uh, in my opinion, doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, he's one of those guys that wherever he went, he made teams better, and that's what a coach is supposed to do. You know, sometimes you know you can't make you know chicken salad out of chicken crap. But uh, he 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 made every team he was with uh, significantly better, and that that's I always think just really not appreciated enough. And 
and John was kind of ahead of his time in Phoenix, you know, really had, you know, basically the five-man offense that he brought from college and, and was able to win consistently uh, without too much of the one-on-one isolation stuff, uh, which, you know, we obviously see a lot now. Coach, when you were coaching the Kings, did it have, um, did, did you know, you see a lot of spoiled, rotten brats in the NBA today, and, and was it kind of rough, or did you have to kind of, uh, how did you have to, you know, teach them or teach them to respect you, or how did you gain their respect? You know, I was, I, was, I think, very fortunate, and in, in, in when I started, I, I was with such good people. I mean, the Eddie Johnsons, Mike Woodsons, Larry Drews, uh, that were, were respectful young adults. And, uh, you know, and, and then I think they right away saw that I was on their side and, and actually could help them, and I think, and would be straight with them. And I, so it really uh, I didn't have very many issues with uh, professional players, to be honest. There's one or two, but it's just generally the same thing you'd have in college or high school. Whoever's not playing is not going to be happy. Uh, I've always said, I don't care who you are, you're going to have three guys on your team that don't like you much, and that's going to be the, the three that aren't playing. And, and the trick is to make sure the three guys that don't like you much, make sure they're not your best players. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if the three best players don't like you much, you, you're not going to last very long. You know, Coach. So, coach. Yeah, so it, was, uh, it wasn't that. You know, it, it's so different. You know, I, I've always said in, in college, you know, it's, it, you know, it's Mike Krzyzewski and the Blue Devils, and it used to be Bobby Knight and Indiana Hoosiers or, or Dean Smith and North Carolina Tar Heels. But in the NBA game, it was never Casey Jones and the Boston Celtics. It was Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics. And, uh, and it was Magic Johnson and the L.A. Lakers. I mean, and, and the, the Pat Rileys and the Casey Joneses, those guys knew that. You know, you're, you're a little bit more of a manager uh, at that level, at the highest level, I think. I mean, it's a little bit like the entertainment business to where movie, uh, you know, the director may be a director of a movie, but he knows he needs to get along with Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson doesn't have to, have to get along with him. Right. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. And I think that, uh, you know, the great coaches, the Greg Popoviches and Jerry Sloans, those guys, uh, guys understood that early on. Coach, do you have a relationship with Larry Bird? Yeah, sure do. Uh, very, very fortunate. I, I knew him a little bit in high school because my brother was in the same class, and and uh, so so I, I I'd followed his high school career his last two years, and you know I, I knew he was going to be really really good. I didn't know he was going to be an all time great, but then in the NBA, uh, you know he was really at the time I got in the league, he was just at his peak, and so we we were able to developed relationship. He'd spend a lot of time here at my house when he when the Celtics would come in or I'd visit with him in Boston and we still stay in touch. You know, we probably talk to each other once every week or two. And uh, I I just enjoy the heck out of him. We don't really know as much about basketball as just, you know, we'll talk hoops and French lick and different things. And of course I always always remember a lot of times coaching against him, you know, how he had just abused me. And, and basically tell me he was going to. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I mean, he was, uh, you know, they always say, you know, he's a great track. He was. And, and you know, it's like Dizzy Dean said, if you can do it, it ain't bragging. And he can do it, you know. But uh, I always remember we, 
think about one of the last games I coached, uh, we were ahead of the Celtics at half, and Larry not had a good half. And I always remember telling my coach, I said, don't let me even look at that guy <laughs> when, when he comes out at halftime. And sure enough, he, he comes by the huddle, and he looks in there, and he, he just says, Jerry, you know I'm going to kick your ass the second half. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Like, he went for 20 in the fourth quarter, and he beat us in a close one, you know. But, uh, you know, hey. He was great, absolutely great player, and I, I think just a great, one of the all-time great basketball people. When you look at the, you know, record as a coach and an executive, I mean, you know, he and Jerry West would probably be at the top. When you look at at the total package of what they've done in all three areas, you know, they're just pretty remarkable. Although West really didn't have a great coaching stint, but uh, the rest of it has been been marvelous. Very interesting. Very cool. I've got a question for you. Hopefully, you know, we're pretty popular. We get between twenty-five and 30,000 people to listen to our show, and, and I enjoy that. And I, and I had this question in my mind as I was doing research on you, and I found all these pictures. And I don't know how you're going to answer the question because I don't think Bill Walton probably will listen to my show. But I, I saw Bill Walton, and so Bill Walton will occasionally uh, help you guys out with the broadcast? Well, he did several years ago. Uh, he, he hasn't. He's not part of the broadcast team uh, anymore. He was uh, uh, about four, about three or four years ago. Because at that time, I think the Maloose thought they were going to move the team to Los Angeles, and uh, so he he was brought in. I think in, in case that the team did go to Los Angeles, then he would be be uh, probably take my spot. <laughs> but the team didn't get. But the team didn't go. And I, I mean, I I really enjoyed Bill. I mean, he's a He's a stranger. He's a, you know very eccentric, and uh, you know we like I say we'd have him on the broadcast. You'd ask him one question, it'd take the better part of a half to get the answer. <laughs> well, I say that because because one of the pictures that I see of you, you have that look on your face, like, well, I guess I don't have to say anything for a while. Yeah, that, that's really the way it was. And my, you know, the play-by-play guy, Grant Napier, he just, uh, you know, it's one of those things where we have a good rapport. We've been together for so long, and and like I say, we. Uh, Bill Walton just really a great, great guy, and obviously he was a great player. But uh, it was one of those things that probably didn't, you know, wasn't the best for the broadcast overall, and not his fault. He was just, you know, you just add a third guy where you don't need a third guy. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, I think a lot of the national broadcasts are that way. To be truthful, you don't need three guys talking. Uh, I think the best broadcaster, you know, when I remember when Steve Kerr was doing it, just just Kerr and. The, the play by play and Mike Breen or whoever I always think you know they, they seem like to me they, they talk over the game too much I, I try not to you know we'll tell stories and have fun at times but I always feel like most people tune in to actually watch the game and, and to hear what's going on on the court not a bunch of stories or, or beasts with the rules or whatever you know it's like hey I know when I do tune in games I, I'm really interested in the game Coach, did you so, were, were, were you loved by the referees? Did you love the referees? I got along with them pretty good. Uh, you know, I was kicked out of a few games, and deservedly so. And I think that's why I got along with them, because I'd always admit that I was, you know, when I was an idiot. And, uh, you know, and so I, I, overall, I, I, I respected, uh, you know, I really had a lot of respect. For them. They, they've got an impossible job, and I, I really – wish that the league would change their stance on it, you know, not having, having forcing them to explain their calls to every time they make a call. It's ridiculous. And it gets uh, over the top. Colleges even getting over the top. So, you know, I, I think that's the thing that 
but the, yeah, the officials, hey, uh, like I say, you know, the fans want to blame the officials. Every time you lose, they want to blame the officials. And I said, one thing I've noticed, I've never seen fans give uh, want to give officials credit for winning. <laughs> and if, you, if you're not going to give them credit for winning, you shouldn't be blaming them for losing. And, and for the most part, you know, and I know they've been calls that have cost Kings games. I know that for a fact. and some big ones. But overall, thing I've noticed over 30 years that the best teams seem to win the most games and the worst teams seem to lose the most. <laughs> Coach, was, <laughs> what, was, was there a time where you got kicked out of a game unfairly? No, no, I deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I totally deserved it. And uh, <laughs> Of course, when I was coaching, uh, the, the team could uh, pay the technicals, which they did. And I, like I, I've always told people since, I mean, if, if I – if I had to pay my tech, my own technicals, I'd have never been thrown out. You know, there'd be nothing they could do to me to make me get in trouble. But uh, of course, I wasn't making the kind of money coaches make now uh, by any stretch. So, but yeah, it's a uh, yeah. No, I deserved it. I deserved it. And you know, and, and for the most part, too, now because there's only two officials, right? Uh, so it's a little different circumstance, different game. Uh, but I always thought that sometimes the older guys. You know they they you know they had a little, almost more control of the game even though there were less of them. Coach, what do you ha- where do you see the Kings going? You think they're going in the right direction? Well, I, I like the things they've done. I, I'm not a big fan of the Rondo acquisition, to be honest with you, but uh, just due to injuries. I mean, I don't think you know if you got the Rondo five years ago, you'd be getting a, a near great player. But uh, so I worry about that. But otherwise, I like the. You know, I kind of like where they are. It's just a matter of if Demarcus and, and can uh, progress. Uh, you know, not just as a talent, but as a teammate. Uh, he's a marvelous talent. I, I think I think he's the most gifted and talented big big man in the league right now. And uh, so that's a good place to start. Um, good friends with uh, Kevin Johnson. Does he show up a lot? Does he have season tickets there? Yeah, he does. He shows up uh, just about every game. Yeah, Kevin and I. Uh, a good relationship you know of course Kevin uh, it's, it's interesting because the year Kevin came out he was the seventh pick in the draft we had the sixth pick and Bill Russell was a GM at the time and we picked Kenny Smith and Kenny was good yeah but uh, Kevin was great <laughs> and, and 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 he was local and uh, of course I always remember that I was I was reminding him I said you know if if, if it wasn't for you I said Kevin I, I might have coached longer because he <laughs> we'd play we play Phoenix four times a year, and he just would kill Kenny and us, you know, because he was still obviously local and wanted to show us where we'd screwed up, and uh, and what well, we did. But uh, but he's been a great mayor, and, and uh, he really just been terrific. But uh, he's one of those guys that really should be in the Hall of Fame too. I mean, he's a Hall, was a Hall of Fame player. There was three or four years where, you know, he was probably the best at his position. Is there a city as when you were a head coach or traveling as a, uh, with TV that you really enjoy the fans and their and their love for the game? Or and also, is there a city that you travel to as a coach or as with TV that you kind of are like, man, uh, let's play the game and let me get out of here? Well, yeah, there's both. Uh, I mean, Indiana's always been one of my favorites. I mean, the arena is just the best. Uh, you know, it's a great. You know, and, and we've had some. There's been years where we've been really, both teams have really been good at the same time. So that was special. And then, of course, my family, uh, getting to see 
some of them. My family still lives in uh, French Lake, and then I get to visit with Larry a little bit usually. So, so those are real positives there for for the Pacers. You know, I always look forward to that. Uh, you know, the I have to say, I know a lot of Sacramento people that hear this and might come to my house and uh, burn it down, but I actually enjoyed Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a great, you know, it's a great climate and the Staples Center and downtown. You know, it's, and then, of course, all the, the tradition. And, and now with the Clippers and the Lakers, you know, we go there a lot. So so that's one of my favorites. And, you know, if you went the least favorite, I, um, Detroit would be right there. I mean, you know, that's just, I can't think of a, you know, because Auburn Hills uh, Arena is way out of town, and we stay way out of town and, and fly. On, so it's just a pain in the rear end, is yeah. what I'd say. Uh, it has nothing to do with the games themselves. And I, probably, uh, in, in all honesty, I, I'm not a big fan of New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans or Memphis. Uh, I always think, uh, you know, that... Uh, Memphis used to be Vancouver, which was absolutely a fabulous city. But uh, so those are some of my least least favorites. Uh, I mean, Milwaukee is not the most uh, beautiful spot because uh, of climate, but you know they got great. You know, not to have big, but they're knowledgeable fans, and uh, and I get to see John McLaughlin. I like John a lot. You know, former all-time great Hoosier. So I get to visit with him, and so that that's always a real plus it seems like wherever there's some Hoosiers that, that, that moves them up a notch you know I think I think you're true when you say that I think that is true yeah Come. you know I, I I got you know over the years coached against and got to know Dick Van Arsdale in Phoenix you know really a, just a class guy and you know it really meant a lot to me because like you say just uh, it's just so so nice to and you know, and you have those memories. You yeah. know, you talk to John McLaughlin or Dick Van Arsdale or Larry. I mean, everybody's got, you know, basically the wherever they go, they're still Hoosiers. Right. And uh, that, that that means that means a lot. And I mean, I still feel that way. I've spent uh, most of my life outside of Indiana now. But you know, when you're when you're born and raised in French Lick, you're born and raised in French Lick. <laughs> actually, as, as Bobby Dell said, I was actually in Hillham, Indiana. It's called it a suburb of French Lick, a town of about 30, uh, <laughs> west of French Lick. But, uh, so it's actually bigger now. I think it's about 50 there now. So, now, uh, now, Coach Harris said that you used to be mayor of that town. Is that correct? I wasn't, but uh, I have no doubt that uh, if they had a fair election, I could have I could have made a run at it. Uh, but uh, I think uh, Coach Coach Harris is just uh, be another one of those areas that he is sadly misinformed. <laughs> uh, Coach, what would what are two or three, four or five people that you met during this fabulous career that you've had with the Sacramento Kings and in the NBA that have nothing to do with basketball, but you met them because of basketball, and you kind of maybe scratched your head or kind of was like, wow, I, I, I don't think I would have ever met this person or saw this person if, if I wasn't uh, in the game of basketball. Yeah, that's a great, great question. I can think of a few right off the top of my head. I mean, Jack Nicholson, for one, uh, you know, just – get a chance to visit with him a little bit you know I mean I guess it's probably exciting that he'd actually know who I was you know and I remember one time he said hey Jerry sit down you're getting in the way so I mean we look very close uh, <laughs> but but he's a good fan you know and you know really you could visit with him and and uh, met uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman at a Laker game which was neat 
you know, I mean, I was a good actor. I was trying to think of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was governor of uh, California. He would come to King's Games, and he'd, he'd always make a point to come over and visit, talk, and said he watched, uh, you know, a lot of our games. And so he was familiar with the broadcast and, you know, myself and things of that nature. So, so you know, that that's kind of good. And I remember... Uh, well, last time I was in New York, in fact, uh, Mike Lukova, Luke, 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 uh came up, and you know I, I knew who he was because uh, I, I read a lot of his books and things. Right. And obviously, a great writer, and he on TV, and he, he made a point. He just came up and said, "You know, I," he said, "I," he said, "I'm not a Kings fan, but he said I, I tune into your broadcast." He said, "I just love your your hometown player and all wow. that," you know. And he, he, you know, he introduced himself. I said. Don't need to introduce yourself. I think I need to introduce myself. But uh, so there's, you know, that, that kind of happens, I guess, over the year. I, I think that through the years, you know, whether it's whatever coach uh, or basketball personality, I guess one time or another I've, I've run into them. You know, it's it's uh, it's been a real blessing. I haven't really just to get to know, you know, my former heroes or work with some of them. Uh, of course. I always said, too, one of the neat things for me was Grant uh, Napier, my play-by-play buddy, and I, we did the first Nike commercial uh, with uh, LeBron James. And wow. so I, we got to spend, spend some time with LeBron. You know, as an 18-year-old, really a nice, at that time, just a nice, personable young guy would have would have fit in Lagodi, for that matter. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just a really a nice kid. And, and, uh, and so we'd had, you know, had some speaking parts and everything. I always said that was a real thrill because not just the thrill of being a part of a Nike commercial with LeBron, but I think we made about ten, twelve thousand dollars on it, which uh, which uh, LeBron will always be a fan for me. <laughs> I mean, you know, so so there, you know those kind of things. I guess. I mean, there's probably more things I'd think of later, but just it just uh, it, it's those things that you know I, I would have never thought. You know, growing up rural Route One, Frenchwood, Indiana, that uh, these things would have been possible. I, I certainly would have been uh, probably happy, and I'd planned to be a high school coach and history teacher in Southern Indiana. Just I made you know decision to go a different way, and, and for me, it uh, really worked out. Uh, still married? How many children did you? Uh, how many children do you have? I have two children. Uh, Neither are married, only grandchildren. Same wife. Uh, my wife's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. We met at Vincennes in uh, 47, 48, be 48 years in December. So, uh, so basically, pretty stable. And uh, sadly, though, she graduated in Fort Wayne South, <laughs> which uh, which I try not to tell people in Prince Lake where she graduated because she still wouldn't be she still wouldn't be accepted. <laughs> Coach, do you get you know how that? Yes. You know how that is. Right? <laughs> do you get back to back to Indiana much? Uh, I got back uh, this summer. I usually get back every summer for a few days, and uh, I, I like to go to when I can. Joe Toadrink has a puts on a little deal in Huntingburg uh, that he kind of orchestrates called Legends of Southern Indiana, which, of course, nobody there is actually a legend, but uh, it, 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 I think it, it, it attracts a lot of people who wish they were. <laughs> people like myself and Joe and Bill, <laughs> and, uh, and especially Bob Reinhardt, and I heard this thing, you know, and it, yeah, 
called him a legend, and that would be special, of course. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> but Bob, uh, well, I always call him Rainy. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he is one of a kind. Uh, you know, the old saying, they, they threw away the mold. Well, they should have. <laughs> uh, they should have thrown it away because it was moldy uh, after Rainy. But, uh, no, I mean, it's a, it, it, you just can't... Uh, you know, beat it. I I'd say the enjoyment of seeing those guys. I remember I played high school against Sam Walford, who was a senior and a very, very good player. And I always remember one of my looking back. One of my thrills was playing against Tommy John at Terrell Gershmar. He oh yeah, when he was a senior, and Tommy was a heck of a basketball player. He yeah. could have been a D one, D one player. But uh, so, so you know, but if you're when you're a, a Hoosier, you're a, you're a Hoosier, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just tough to, you know, it's just such a long flight. And I always tell my family, you know, I'd like to get back more, but you know, honestly, God, I've gotten so spoiled flying charters. You know, the, the last twenty five years, it's like more flying commercial. I, I just soon take a jab in the eye. Uh, I mean, you know, really, it's it's a shame. Really, I've gotten so soft. You know, it's like my God, if I can't, you know. You get used to those charters, everything taken care of for you, and, the, and just it's just it's like wow. And then have to fly like a big, you know, as it, you know, commercial flights now are just flying buses. You know? Plus, being being old, when you got to pee every forty minutes, uh, so those are so that's kind of why I don't go back as much as I, I I'd like to. Well, the neat thing is, is that uh, uh, Coach Toddrink invited me to the uh, Legends Tournament, Golf Tournament, uh, Goody, so I'll be able to meet you. Hopefully, you'll go next June. And also, uh, I, I, I guess I guess I did uh, Bob Reinhardt a favor by throwing out that word legend. Was that nice of me, I guess? You, you well, you, you really overkicked your coverage on that one. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I think actually when you look at the grand scheme of things, uh, he probably is a legend, but for none of the reasons he would like to be. <laughs> that would be my final word on that subject. <laughs> well, Coach, it was uh, Coach uh, Toddrink said that you were going to be hilarious, and and uh, man, uh, I think you're the funniest one, and and uh, most. I mean, I think you're the funniest one I've had on the show. So, um, you, it, uh, it was it was a pleasure. Well, well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. I mean, anytime you talk about who's your land and things, but. Uh, you know, hey, if you can't enjoy life, what's the point of it, right? Oh, exactly. And, uh, and I, I've always kind of taken that. I, I think that's helped me on TV because, obviously, uh, the way the Kings have been lately, uh, you need a little humor somewhere. <laughs> uh, actually, they create your own humor a lot, but try to add to it. But, yeah, it's, it, it's, uh, I've, I've been blessed, you know. I mean, hopefully, you know, I'm planning on trying to work a couple more years if my health stays good, which it is. And we get in a new arena, not next season, but the season after. So that's my goal. Is so I'll have worked in all the new, all the arenas and Kings history, and all the different ownership groups. And so, uh, so I, I told my, I wrote a book some years ago, Reynolds Remembers, which uh, 20 years with the Kings and publishers want me to do another one. I said, well, maybe five years after I retire, I'll, I'll write another one. It'll be called Reynolds Remembers Everything. <laughs> Because I, I definitely held back on that first one for obvious reasons. 